Welcome to the Legally Speaking Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Hanna. This week, I'm delighted to be joined by Carl Wilson. After training to become a lawyer with Linklaters and qualifying into their capital markets team, Carl took a year out to pursue his other passions and attended the Royal Academy of Music. He later embarked upon two years of professional actor training at Bristol Old Vic Theatre School. Since then, Carl has managed to combine his passion of the law and acting. Last year, enjoying a six-month run in the West End in Agatha Christie's courtroom drama, Witness for the Prosecution. Carl is currently on secondment working as a lawyer via Linklater's platform for contract lawyers, Relink, at BMP Parabar in the Commodities, Credit, FX and Rates Derivatives legal team. In addition to all of this, in his spare time, Carl also volunteers at the Borough Food Cooperative, which works to alleviate food poverty. Wow, what a mouthful. A very warm welcome, Carl. (laughs) Hi, Rob. Good to be here. God, that is a mouthful. Well done. (laughs) My absolute pleasure. And before we dive into all your amazing achievements, I'm super excited about today's chat. Uh, We do have a customary icebreaker question here on the show. So on the scale of one to 10, 10 being very real, what would you rate the hit TV series Suits in terms of its reality? Ah, well, I knew this was coming um, because I listened to a few of the other podcasts and uh, I thought I'd better watch it properly uh, <laughs> and, then ju- and, and then just haven't. Um, but I, I mean, I have seen snippets of before and I didn't think it was very realistic, to be fair. I mean, the idea that someone could sneak into a top law firm without any legal training and blag it uh, <laughs> I mean, sometimes I feel like that's what I've done. So maybe it's maybe it is realistic. Fair enough. I'd say about three, three or four. Three or four. Fair enough. I think you you've justified your answer very clearly. So let's start where we always like to start on the show. Tell us a bit about your family background and upbringing. Um, I had a very um, good um, childhood. I, was, I really enjoyed it. Um, I, I grew up in Surrey, in Cobham. Um, my mum was a Surrey girl and my dad um, came from what was uh, at the time British East Africa um, and came here with 30 quid um, as a teenager and, and as a self-made man. So it's, I definitely wasn't um, as, uh, well, hang on, let me, go, let me go back on that. I was, gonna, I was about to say, I, I, I went to these really great schools growing up as a kid. Um, the first one was locally where I lived and the other one was Charterhouse and I think these these schools are just incredible if you get the opportunity to go there because they have everything they're like a little mini society a very privileged one of course um and it was there that not only do you get a really great education but whatever your passions might be you can pursue them so there's all all these wonderful facilities sporting facilities a theatre of course um, and I was just, I didn't know, you don't know how lucky you are at that age, do you? No. You, 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 as a kid, you, it, it's just normal to you. Um, but looking back now, of course, I realised what a gift that was. So that was that sort of really set me up for, for everything I'm doing now. Yeah, and it's great that you're sort of humble and, you know, you accept that privilege. And, you know, because like you say at the time, it's probably what you know until you go and venture into the big wide world and figure out what else is out there. There were wonderful opportunities and you embraced them. But where did your interest in the law stem from? I don't know. Maybe cutting deals um, uh, to sort of 
break the en passe in long gains of monopoly um, with my cousins or um, I, 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 at school I, I just didn't know what else to do and I thought well I'll do economics and law and hedge my bets and I think I just wanted to have money I was surrounded by lots of wealth at school and you know relative to everybody else we definitely weren't one of those families um, and I'm ashamed to say that's that was probably a strong motivator but I didn't really I didn't really discover any sort of great passion for it till I got to university and then there were subjects that interested me um, like the philosophy of law was very interesting um, like why do we have law where do we get it from um, who decides what it what it is and should be um, and and then there's and then there's really tedious subjects that I just 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 didn't enjoy at all um, so I wouldn't say it was a passion it was just it was I was just following a sensible path um, and it didn't occur to me that the extracurricular activities I did I mean the clues in the name extracurricular it's sort of like an ad an appendage you could just remove if, if you didn't need it um, could actually become the main thing um, so those other interests that we that we do as kids can can become can, can, can take the place of work yeah interesting so as I mentioned um, in the intro you trained at Linklaters so firstly what was that like and tell us a bit about your experiences this provided you with so Linklaters was was almost to, to me an, an extension of I see it as an extension of university because I've the people there and the time I had in the stage of life I was at it was it was as fun. Of course, we worked really, really hard, but you know, it's easy to think of these, you know, big law or banks and corporations as these sort of faceless entities that that have no human connection. But for me, I I, I rolled out of Durham into law school, and the law school I went, there were lots of other Linklaters future trainees, um, and so we behaved like students do. And then turned up at Linklaters together and carried on behaving like students do. <laughs> so my, t- my time at Linklaters was, was brilliant. I really enjoyed it. And um, I, I went to New York in my second seat, which was an absolute blast. I sat with a, my first, the first partner I sat with, Alan Stevens, which was just great company. Um, I learned a lot from him. And he's very supportive. Um, and it was a place where I felt I could I could be myself. Actually, I mean, I made no secret of my interests in other other areas, but it didn't hold me back in any way. Yeah, well, that's good, and that leads very nicely onto what I was going to ask next. Actually, because after your training, you did attend the Royal Academy of Music, and you trained at the Bristol Old Vic Theatre. So, you know, have you always had that passion for the music and the arts? Definitely, yes. Yes, I have. Um, and even if I didn't know it at the time, um, it's always been there. And as I said, it, I didn't have to go out of my way to pursue it at school in, in the way that you might have, that others might have had to do if those opportunities weren't there on tap. So to me, it was just, it's always been part of my world. Um, it was probably music that, that led the way. But all the way through school, I was doing plays. I had a wonderful theatre there. Um, 
it's probably the best theatre I've been in until I got to Bristol, actually. Um, what makes you say that? <laughs> it's just a, it was just a quite a big theatre. And when you when you start out as a as an actor, so before I trained, um, I'd be doing stuff above a pub. <laughs> um, and the space would be smaller and grimier and not as good as, the, as this amazing theatre for some school kids. Um, so what was the question? <laughs> now, remind me. Was it always been your passion for the music and the arts? You know, was, was that in your, in your DNA from, from an early age? Yeah. So, yeah, it was always there, but it wasn't until I got to Linklaters and I found myself working in some seats um, very long hours and gradually there was less and less time for these things and then I realised I couldn't do without them. So I didn't I, I didn't realise at the time how important it was to be doing that. I took I wasn't say doing becoming a lawyer was the wrong path. I just it, it was that it was a sort of correct path. <laughs> and, and then I realised that it, it, it wasn't enough and it became I suppose, emotionally necessary to pursue my artistic um, inclinations alongside the law. And again, that leads nicely on to my, my, my next question, because I talk a lot about, you know, lawyers and risk. The two don't tend to be in the same coffee cup at times. But why did you arguably decide to take that risk and pursue other interests? And what was that transition actually like? The really honest answer is that people often go, oh, aren't you, weren't you, how, how brave? And it wasn't brave. It was necessary. I couldn't have, I got to the point where I, I had to do it. Um, it would have made me very sad to not do it. Um, so I didn't feel like I had much of a choice. I had to, I had to give it a go. Um, and in terms of how it, how I managed the transition. Messy. But interestingly, I had a lot of support from Linklaters. So at the time, um, qualifying trainee, there's a bit of a dip in the market and qualifying trainees and law school grads were being offered some time out to take a year out and they'd be paid a bit of their salary. Um, so I thought, well, I'll do that. And that's actually, I got a fifth of my salary to, to go and try out a year at the Royal Academy of Music. So I got a sort of supported year, if you like. And then when I went back to Linklaters, having experienced doing that for a year, um, I, I, I couldn't go back to full-time law. And at the time, Relink didn't exist. The contract market was in its infancy. Um, and it was always a very kind of all or nothing setup. So uh, as much as I tried to get some kind of flexi arrangement it just at that time wasn't available so I crashed out with no plan <laughs> and you touched on it there uh, Relink because you recently joined forces with Linklaters again as part of the Relink platform which is a platform for contract lawyers so tell us a bit more about this platform for anyone who may not have heard of it thus far well I mean the context to, to relink is the general contracting market. Like the general contracting market, by the time somebody needs a, a contract lawyer, it's too late. They wanted them last week. So it operates on very tight timescales and and it's like the Wild West, you know. And there's lots of agents out there 
um, with no exclusivity at all. Um, and Relink isn't exclusive either. Um, and what I think Relink does is it pre-selects the lawyers. So I felt going to, to Relink that not only was I going back to, to the firm that I trained with, um, but I'm really proud of that training and I'm really, really proud of the fact I worked for Link Latest. And by teaming up with Relink, it, it felt like um, I had that seal of approval again. And also for clients, that's reassuring as well, because everybody on the Relink books goes through quite a strict referencing process and interview uh, process so that they're ready to be put into in, into a client to comment straight away so it, I think there's that aspect to it um, there's also the fact that Relink w- gave me access to work that I couldn't get as a contractor like I, I'm, I'm this I'm the link latest secondee to BMP Paribas and I wouldn't be able to do that job um in the general contract market, because that's a that's a specific linklators role that either a linklators lawyer does or a relink lawyer does. It doesn't go out to tender to the rest of the market. So, and it's really good. It's as a result of that, it's it's good quality work. Yeah, no, absolutely. And how have you found sort of kind of going back to linklators, sort of quasi from training? And you know, have, is there still familiar faces there? And has there been any big changes that have surprised you at all? Um, well, I've not set foot in the building apart from when I went to have my interview. And the, the partners I interviewed with, um, Simon Firth was a partner when when I was a trainee. Yeah. Um, very um, senior, brilliant derivatives lawyer. And Dave Phillips was a trainee when I was a trainee. So it, it was it was it was great to see it was great to see them again. Um, I did. I did sort of think, gosh, you know, what what might have happened if I hadn't left? If I just stayed, might I be a partner now? Um, and the same thing happened at, at BNP Paribas as well. Some of the team there um, I know from my trainee days. So that's that's the that's the nicest thing about going back to Link Later, is that there's you've got you've got old friends and old colleagues that know you and you know them and there's a personal connection um and and i think contracting generally is all about relationships it sounds i did say it was the wild west earlier but over time um you meet people and then those people move around and when they get to their next place if they need someone they call you up um and i've got as many jobs like that as I have through an agent. Yeah, and that, that that's a really good positive story. And I think, you know, we can talk a lot about, and I talk a lot about this in my communications to the market about, you know, amazing communities. And it can be hard to leave, um, you know, full-time law due to that amazing community that's there. Time for a quick break from the show. Are you a legal aid practitioner in England and Wales, specializing in civil or criminal legal aid matters? If you are, this message is for you. As a legal aid solicitor, you don't have time to waste on legal aid case management software that doesn't work to your needs. That's why Clio has developed a quicker, more accurate and affordable solution for legal aid solicitors in England and Wales. It could save you hours in your month, particularly when it comes to end of month invoicing and claims to the legal aid agency. 
To see how it all works, visit clio.com forward slash UK forward slash legal aid. That's clio, C-L-I-O dot com forward slash UK forward slash legal aid. Now back to the show. How does relink and contracting help create the community, if you like? Yeah, this is the first time I've really felt that um, collegiate atmosphere um, since leaving Linklaters, apart from one little stint I had at, at another law firm. And I think there's something about law firms. Maybe it's because people stay there for a very long time. They do their training there. Um, it's, it's, a very, it's a very collegiate atmosphere. Um, and and it's, it's a very tight community. Everybody knows everybody. Um, so returning to, to Relinks sort of felt plugging back into my network. So that I'm, I'm quite comfortable. It makes me, it's reassuring to, to have that aerial support, <laughs> you know. And, and, you know, I caught up with, with Dave before I went on, took to, to the secondment, for example. We just had a chat about, you know, how everything you know, what, what's, you know, the, the, basically just saying that he's there if I need him. So you don't get that as a contractor. Normally you're just on your own. Yeah, no, I think that's a very valuable point. And I've got a lot of friends that are contractors that, you know, certainly don't have that. So I think that is in, invaluable. So for anyone who's interested in contracting, maybe they're not too familiar with it or not sure where to, to go, how would they get started? Yeah, this is a really good question. Who yeah, today? Yeah, no. The the reason it, it's good a good question is because um, it's not the answer is not obvious. Yeah. Um, you would think that the answer is reach out to lots of temp agencies and lots of contracting um, platforms while you're thinking about it and have some chats. Well, when I tried to do that, when I was thinking about leaving Linklaters, um, I just people just hung up. I mean, they're just like, yeah, yeah. call us when you're out. Yeah. <laughs> because it, because the timeframes of, of of permanent hires are very long. Yeah. You know, people people start thinking about it six months, a year in advance, um, and there's several rounds of interviews, and the whole thing takes forever. And then they completely accept they're going to have to wait for someone to serve their notice and have a period of gardening leave or whatnot. So. Whereas a contract lawyer, it's, it's, I mean, I once got an interview on Wednesday and was in the office by Friday. Wow. Um, and, an- and another one, I didn't even have an interview. They said, oh, we'll have him. And you, you've got to be able to move within a week. And if you're trying to line the ducks up like a good risk-averse lawyer, <laughs> um, you can't. So, so actually... The, the, the truthful answer is just jump. Mm. Um, I suppose today there are platforms like Relink where you can go and have a conversation and you can say, look, what would it look like? How much work am I likely to get? And barring a pandemic or the credit crunch, if you really want a contract, um, in my experience, you know, start looking and six weeks later you'll, is the longest it normally takes to get in the door somewhere. That doesn't mean you're going to get exactly what you want, but if what you just want is to work and get the money coming in again, um, you can do it quite quickly. You might have to be flexible about 
what you get paid and what you're doing. But there's plenty of work out there, even paralegal work if you don't want too much responsibility. Yeah, no, again, great, great shout. And particularly people looking to try and just get some, you know, maybe at the earlier stage of their career trying to get some paralegal work, you know, it's a, it's a great option. So do you, though, need a certain amount of private practice experience before making the leap into contracting, would you say? The, the correct advice <laughs> is yes. <laughs> um, I, I think the more private practice experience you have up to a point, the better. Um particularly if you want to continue contracting in private practice. Um, but for going in-house, you don't need that much because the moment at which... I mean, the job is slightly different. When you're an in-house lawyer, your job is to manage legal risk. Um, so if there comes to a point where you're coming across a deal and it requires some documentation that we haven't done before, um, you would manage that legal risk by instructing external lawyers to do it and then just act as a liaison between them and the business. Um, And if we have done it before, we'll have a nice set of precedents that external lawyers have done. So actually, you're not doing that much really dry legal work. You're managing the legal risk in a, in a transaction. Um, and that often involves instructing lawyers rather than uh, being uh, the one holding the pen, as it were. Of course, you comment on everything and you, you know, are fully involved, but it doesn't require partner level black letter legal skills. So I, I, w- I would say you could probably make a go of it from. Well, I, I left straight away, like six months in. Wow. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you can jump straight away. You could probably qualify as a trainee and just jump. But usually I would say try and get two, two years under your belt. And if you had five or seven years, you'd be really useful. You'd go straight in at quite a senior level. Yeah. No, that makes sense, and and again, I think you know it's good to it's good to hear different uh, views on, on on that particular one because we get that question quite a lot when it comes to even moving in house or you know moving contracting. What do I need to do? And it's you know the correct answer, as you say, is you know get some experience in the belt and do it. But the reality is sometimes you know you could do it pretty much as soon as you've qualified if you if you back yourself. And so, what would you say have been some of the advantages of pursuing different? You know, I know before the show you mentioned something called the PCA law. So tell us more about that. Mm. Yeah, PCA law um, are a a training company set up by um, two guys, Joe and Charlie, who had legal and acting backgrounds. And they set out to provide um, law firms with actors that could that could deliver experiential training so this is a this is not your sort of standard learn a scenario and have an actor come in and the whole thing feels really fake or just have someone delivering slides to you yeah um we would have to go in and role play situations and improvise situations um and be able to have a conversation with these you know associates at magic circle law firms um 
and, and you could be playing the role of a difficult partner. You could be playing the role of an insubordinate junior, a um, RC client. Um, and the job would just to be to provide the right level of challenge to each person so that they could um, grow. And then while you're improvising, you're making notes um, in, your, in your head uh, to, to give them feedback on. So that was a great way of combining the two. Um, and it was, it was one of those ideal in-between job jobs. That <laughs> um, was also very entertaining. I didn't know there were any other actor lawyers out there and there's loads. There you go. There you go. And just before we wrap up, how could others um, work for Relink or how could they find out more? Well, the best thing to do is uh, give them a call or, or drop them a line. And they're def- they're, I mean, there's a huge demand for quite junior lawyers as well at the moment. Um, so don't be afraid if you're sort of in that early stage of your career and you're thinking about it now. Um, there's all manner of different contracts out there. I've had contracts where I get paid per document. I've had contracts where I've just did three days a week. Um, contracts for eight weeks, contracts for two years, uh, whatever it is. Um, contracts where there's been zero notice, contracts where there's been a week, and contracts with Relink where it's a month. So whatever you're, whatever you want, uh, there's probably something out there for you. Yeah, it sounds like you know you've had a real variety and seen a whole range of different contracts and experiences, which is wonderful. And you know, I'm sure you've inspired a lot of people and got people thinking um, about this particular route, which is exactly what we wanted from today's show. So, if people want to get in touch with you or learn more about what you're up to, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Feel free to shout out any social media handles, LinkedIn, or or websites to, for that, and we'll share them with the show for you too. Well, oh gosh, what is the best way? We'll have a Twitter. There we go. Watch a fairly, fairly inactive Twitter. It's Carl M. Wilson. Um, it's mostly acting focused, um, but we can field legal queries there. Um, and of course, through Relink as well. If you have any questions, you can drop them a line and they can forward it to me. Good stuff. And final, final question. If you were to liken yourself to any actor or any aspirational actor, who would it be and why? The actor I get told... The most often that I look like is Rafe Fiennes. I wish I could have his career. I certainly don't have his, I certainly don't have his career. Um, the the theatre actor I most like is probably Mark Rylance. Um, and I, I saw him at the Globe. That was the last time I saw him. And he makes Shakespeare seem like um, it's... It, is just having those fresh thoughts every time. It doesn't sound like he's reciting lines. You just see the the character there. You don't see him. It all seems so natural, um, and and you can't take your eyes off him. So, yeah, it's very exciting to watch. There we have it, folks. So uh, thanks a million once again, Carl. It's been a real pleasure having you on the show, learning more about your story, what you've been up to and your amazing achievements. So wishing you lots of continued success with your career. But from all of us on the Legally Speaking podcast, over and out. This week's review comes from Connor C. Great for law students. My friend Angie told me about the podcast and since then I've been hooked. 
thank you so much for your lovely kind words connor we really appreciate you from all of us on the legally speaking podcast team thanks a million <laughs>